All right, so God gave me this word, kind of different word, Freedom Road. Freedom Road. So I'm, I'm going to first all start off with a picture, as uh, God did with Abraham. He told Abraham, Abraham, as far as your eyes can see, all of that is yours. Then he came back and told Abraham, everywhere that the sole of your feet should shred upon should be yours. So God gives us a picture, and then we have to walk this thing out. He sees that the Bible declares he sees the end before the beginning. He sees what the end product is. And then he walks us back, takes us back to the beginning to walk it out. Amen. And in that walking out, we get equipped for what God has for us. So I want to give this picture. We can turn to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. <laughs> Deuteronomy. Tongue tied. <laughs> uh, the 14th chapter. And the uh, first verse, because I think everything starts with our inner thoughts. What do we think of ourselves, and what does God think of us? So it says here, ye are children of the Lord your God. Ye shall not cut yourselves or make any baldness between your eyes for the dead. How many people thought that was a new style, how people are putting those lines in their eyebrow? They do that for the dead. So we're talking about spirits. Pastors bringing the messages about these different spirits and stuff. And how we, like I know that, um, I think it's Beyonce, Taylor Swift, they actually do a ritual in their concert, a satanic ritual. And so we are finding out that we are doing things without thought. I've seen that many times, people cutting the lines in their eye. They don't even know the, where it originated from. Amen? But it, they did it for the dead. For thou art holy people unto the Lord thy God, and un thou art holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord has chosen thee to be peculiar people unto himself above all the nations of the earth. So this is what God is, thinks of us, that we're his children. Amen? So as we're thinking about his children, one thing that what, what God was dealing me with is where we're going in terms of a church body, that we're in, going into our 13th year, and we know that the vision for this year has been supernatural restoration, amen, that we're receiving some things that we lost, we're receiving some things that we never had before, but God is restoring those things to us, things that he wants us to have, and this has been a, a hallelujah year, amen, so many things have been happening so many blessings from God. So many things happening. So I just give God honor and praise for that. Not only in my life, but in your life too. Because I see each and every one of you. I, I, I pay attention how God is blessing, how God is moving. Amen? Oh, amen. So we want to talk about a couple of things here. The title of this message is Freedom Road. Now, to set this up, we have a vision that God has given this house. And we're moving forth in that vision. This year has brought a lot of things into focus in terms of where we're at, how we're moving together as one. As we always say at Ayers, we're growing together. Amen? Important that we're growing together. There's some auxiliaries that I'm on that this is my first time doing something of that nature. And I tell the people that, that volunteer under me in, in the ministry, it helps. You know, I really appreciate them. 
I know some things I don't know. I know sometimes I may make a mistake, maybe have to switch up things, but we're growing together. So we're all learning how to move as a unit. That's what God wants. He wants us all to move as one voice, one people. And that's also the reason why we have our disciple classes, where we have the nine classes of what the church believes, teaches, and contends, where we have survivor kit, we have the disciples' personality, we have the disciples' cross, we have the disciples' mission, and we have the disciples' victory. Why do we have those things? We have those things in place so we can all speak the same thing that we all have a solid foundation to build upon to do that which God has called us to do. That's why it's important that we attend these classes. That's why it's important, because we want to speak the same thing. We want to be said like when Paul was, uh, when he denied Christ, and they said, oh, your speech betrays you. We want, us, we want people to say, you must go to Ayers. I see how you're talking. You go to Ayers. Amen? Because we speak the same thing. We believe the same thing. Amen? So as we go into that, we want to give some definitions. The first one is freedom. What is freedom? Freedom is the power or the right to act, speak, or think as one who wants without hindrance or restraint. All right? That's what freedom is. Another definition, the absence of subjection to foreign domination or despondent governments. That's the one definition. And then the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. Amen. So in order for us to be in freedom, we can't allow things of the world to lock us down, to limit us, to say we can't do things. Amen. No hindrances. We know that in God there is freedom and there is liberty. What is liberty? Liberty is the state of being free within society from oppressive restrictions imposed by the authority on one's way of life, behavior, or political views, the power or the scope to act as one pleases. Now, I read these two definitions because there's a conflict in there. Because I remember when I was young, teenager, and I couldn't wait to be grown so I could do what I wanted to do. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But we're always under laws. We're always under uh, things that we cannot do and can't do. And that's that, it's that way in God. The liberty that we have, the freedom that we have is in Christ. It's abiding in him. It's that, no, we don't do whatever we want to do, but we do what the Father wants us to do, unhindered by society. When the devil came to Jesus, he said, he has nothing in me. So he did what the Father told him. He said, I don't do anything or say anything except what the Father does, what he tells me. And this is our goal, that we hear God clearly to do exactly what he's telling us to do. So that conflict. We must understand who we are in Christ and who we are to the world. We are the salt to the world. We're preserving this thing. And we all know that one day, and I believe we are in these last days, that we're going to be, the, the clouds will burst, Christ is coming back, and we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Amen? 
And that's what we're looking forward to. And so we don't allow the world to hinder us from our goal. And our goal is to be with him. Amen. All right. So what does it take to live this life? And where are we heading to? That's so important. We know one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Romans 6 chapter. Because in that, it tells us that we can live a holy life. We can live a sin-free life. But only through the Spirit of God abiding in His Spirit, obeying His Spirit. Amen? His dictates, His commands. We can live that life uh, through the Holy Spirit. So that's one of my favorite chapters, Romans 6. But also, where are we headed to? Uh, I, um, I think about people that decide to climb Mount Everest. Well, if you're gonna climb Mount Everest, you're gonna have to have certain tools to climb. It's the highest mountain in the world, but you gotta have certain things in place to climb the mountain. Uh, so we have to be equipped for what God has called us to. And we know here at Heirs, we're equipping heirs for the kingdom of God to do what God has called them to do. One interesting fact, more people die on Mount Everest not going up, coming down. They put all their preparations in going up the mountain and none coming down. So they die coming down the mountain. I think it's like 3,000 some people die every year on Mount Everest coming down the mountain. So we got to understand as we preach here, a pastor preached about uh, pictures and pieces, we got to see the whole picture. If we're going up, we know we got to come down. We got to prepare for everything. Amen. And those people that don't prepare, that they were lost. They died coming down Mount Everest. All that time and ability they put in for going up the mountain with any, no consideration of coming down. Ain't that something? Mm, okay. All right. <laughs> so, where are we going as part of Christ's body? Let's turn to Romans 8, Romans 1, 18 through 20. These are the two scriptures that kind of sent me this way as I was talking with God. Romans 1. Because I asked myself, what does this mean? And it says here, starting at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And it goes on to say, because that which, that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the worlds are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So they are without excuse. And my question to God was like, what kind of people would hold the truth, would keep truth from people, not knowing truth? The world. I mean, we read our history books and we find out all that stuff they taught us in school was a lie. <laughs> you know, that Christopher Columbus discovered America. America was here. Your people were here. You know, so he couldn't have discovered it. It was here. He just, so, I mean, all the stuff they teach us, and then we find out as we get older, 
That was a lie. That was a lie. You know, hold the truth. They hold the truth because they want to control. They hold the truth so you won't know who you are in Christ. Amen? But as we teach here at Ed, freely give, freely receive, freely give. Amen? Amen. So it talks about they're clearly seen. And let's turn to uh, 1 Corinthians 13 chapter. And well, we don't have to turn out, just go ahead and quote that part. And it says this, because what I see is where God is taking us and the attitudes we must have in how we interact with each other. Everybody knows my favorite thing is the commonwealth aspect of the gospel, how we all joint, that every joint supplied, that there's no lack in the body, that we're compacted together, that we work as a unit. Amen? And so it goes on to say in, in, in um, 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, it talks about love thinks no ill. Love thinks no ill. And I'm, I'm saying this to say because we, as we're moving in this thing together, we have to have pleasant thoughts of each other. We can't think ill of each other as we're moving as one body in Christ. We all want to be free and we all want liberty. But these two must come with boundaries and with understanding. Amen? You just can't do whatever because you're free. You can't do whatever because uh, you got liberty to do things. As Paul said, he didn't want his liberty to be a stumbling block for other people. So some things, he said, I'm paraphrasing, I won't do just because it's going to affect other people. Amen? That's a thought of looking at the whole not being selfish. Selfishness has no place in the body of Christ. Amen? All right, let's turn to Deuteronomy uh, 15. Just kind of laying this out here. Deuteronomy 15, uh, verse um, 11. Eleven and uh, fourteen, eleven through fourteen, and it says this: For the poor shall never cease out of the land. Therefore, I command ye, saying, Thou shalt open up thy hand wide unto thy brother, and to thy and to thy poor, and unto thy needy in thy land. And it goes on to say, And if thy brother, a Hebrew man, a Hebrew woman be sold unto thee and serve thee six years. Then in the seventh year, thou shalt let him go free from thee. And when thou sendest him out free from thee, thou shalt not let him go away empty. Thou shalt furnish him liberally out of thy flock and out of thy floor and out of the, thy winepress, wherein the Lord thy God have blessed thee, thou shalt give unto him. And see, this is a thing about being in Christ. We have to look out for each other. The ones that have supplied it, there's no lack in the body. So nobody should go lacking in the body because we're in covenant with God, but we're also in covenant with each other. So your life matters to me. 
all of our lives should matter to each other. We're in covenant relationship. Amen? All right. And I said turn to Deuteronomy 15, uh, verse 11. Did I read that? Okay, yeah. So it's saying we should look out for each other. And that's that commonwealth aspect. Let's turn to Matthew 5. All right, Matthew, the fifth chapter, verse 41 through 42. And it says this. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain or two. Give him that asks thee, that asks thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not away. So God is painting a picture in our interaction how we should be with each other. Amen? We should be, um, if we see a brother, a sister in need, we should come to that aid. If we don't, how can we say we love God and we don't like the people in our face? The Bible says we haven't even seen God, but we see each other. So if we can see each other, how can we treat each other bad? Without a thought. So I'm, I'm, I'm laying this groundwork because as 2024 comes into in, in play, it's all going to be us as a church moving as one voice, one body. So we're, we got to get straight some things that may be causing friction. Amen? Those rough edges, iron sharpens iron. Just like they did in the temple. They did all the cutting of the stone away. And when they brought the, um, the, the stones in, they all fit perfectly. No tools were used. See, and that's, that's a picture of me, uh, to me, of the body, how it should comfortably fit together, impact together, impact. When you think of the word impact, I think about a force hitting you, right? If that force hits you, you feel it all, right? You feel it. So if we're looking at the fact that we should be and we compacted together, that means when you hurt, I hurt. When you rejoice, I rejoice. Amen. Like you say, it may not be my birthday today. It may just be yours, but we have to learn how to celebrate each other. We have to learn how to, to appreciate each other. Amen. For, for the giftings that God has placed in each and every one of us. Amen. We have to value that. Go on to say, um, as it compels, it, it shows total commitment to each other. If you need something, you need a dollar, I'll give you two. You know? You need gas? Let me fill your tank up. You know? It's that aspect of going that extra mile for your brother or for your sister. Amen? Because covenant relationship. Keep that in mind. We're in covenant with each other. Are we, are, are we still looking at each other being selfish, sizing people up, not being kind-hearted? You know? Because... Some, I, was, I was at a men's breakfast yesterday in Easley, South Carolina, and um, we had this discussion about uh, the aspect of selfishness and how men have a tendency to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not critique, but men judge each other. They, they, and, and why? 
I don't know. They, they judge, like, for instance, you used to date such and such. Now we're going to thinking about dating, and I'm going to say, who was your last boyfriend? Who is he? Why do I want to know that? Because I want to make a comparison. I want to see, is he on my level, below my level? Do I mess with you or not? That's what, that's what men do. Men do that. They size each other up. And what I'm saying is we have to stop doing that. We have to stop looking at people suspiciously, you know? When we read the chapter, chapter 13, the love chapter, it tells us what love operates in. Thanks, no ill. Love don't do all these things that sometimes we find ourselves doing. So we have to question our love. We got to go deep in Christ as we're going through the book Abiding in Christ. The key to a lot of things is just go deeper in God, you know, deeper in God. It's time to focus and to get moving. Amos 3.3 says this, how can two walk together except they agree? Agreement releases the power of God. Amen? Agreement is so important. That's why we have to fight for agreement. The devils come to try to bring uh, a division, to bring strife. So we have to fight through those things. God gives us way. If you have odd against your brother, go to your brother. Amen? Don't go to somebody else. Go to your brother and talk to your brother. And he says, if he receives you, great. If he don't, take a witness. He don't, then take him before the church. God has set up ways that we can operate as a unit. Amen? But we have to adhere to his ways. That's why we got to know his word. So how can two walk together except they agree? You can't. You can't. And that's why I call y'all yoke fellas. I know what a yoke is. I don't know, you know, country people know what a yoke is. When you have animals walking side by side like plowing, you put a yoke on them around their neck so they can't go off. They have to go the same way. Amen? And that's what the Bible calls us yoke fellas. We're all under the same yoke. We're all going the same way. Amen? Yoke fellas. Uh, we all have a job in the body, and the gifts that you have are needed for the body. I think about Moses. Moses had every tribe in a place and in a space to operate. Amen. The tribe of Dan was the smallest. Dan, we don't want you on the outside. We're going to put you inside here. Everybody had, when they set up camp in the wilderness, every tribe had a place and a position that they played. Amen? So it is with us in the church. We all have a place, and we have to value that place. Amen? Because your place in the Word, in the, in the church, is important for all of us getting to the place where we need to be in God. It's that important. And when we see that, then that puts boundaries and limits on us in terms of what we will do and won't do. Amen? Amen. Uh, there is no place for selfishness. The opposite of selfishness, I would say, is love. Because love is not selfish. Love gives. Amen? And we have to perfect in that love. That, that um, you know, you can get a pull. Like, like I, for instance, um, I'll go ahead and tell this. Um, yesterday, I saw a guy... And we used to be really good friends. 
And um, we, we were talking about the Bible, but I sensed something there. And so um, as I was talking to him, because uh, every time we get together, it's like, mm. So what I, what I realized, I went to the restroom, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. And he was kind of putting himself down because he was saying, you know, his education and, and, and people using big words and all. And I heard his heart. And I just let him know what God was saying to me was, it's time out for excuses that you need to apply yourself. You got to go deeper. But only not with that. I told a story of a guy that I graduated with. We had, I had won the... Um, we both won the Martin Luther King Award for music and all. And we were good friends until I married his sister. <laughs> and then this guy got evil on me. And, uh, and, so, um, and so I heard he had cancer. And I called him up. And I released him from everything. All, anything I may have done to him, what he did to me. I released him because I wanted his healing. I wanted him to be healed. He did pass away. But the thing of it is, is that we got to want for each other. You see what I'm saying? We got to want for each other. I want you to be all that God has to be. I don't want to be a hindrance. That power of binding and loosening. We got to loosen people. We can't hold people to stuff. We can't bind that sin on people. We got to let it go. Let it go. So God made me demonstrate this. So this guy that I was talking about earlier, I apologized to him for something that happened 20-something years ago because I still felt that thing. And I apologized in front of all those men, and I just told him, you know, I'm sorry. Forgive me because I realized that if he's carrying that and I'm carrying that, we can't get to where God would have us to be. we got to free people up to be themselves, to be who God would have them to be. So I apologize, guys, something 20 years ago, but I still felt the tension from that. So I relieve him of the tension, relieve me of the tension. Let's, let's go with God, you know. So we have to be mindful of that. All right? Your needs are met. Your, your needs being met has a connection on how we are connected to the body. In other words, everything that we need is in the body. We think about vines, roots, and stems. All those things belong to the plant. They all play a part in the plant growing, right? And the plant nourishing and producing fruit. So think about a plant, the vine, the roots, and the stems, that our connection, if we cut off a branch, it dies because it can't receive nourishment that the roots are bringing up through the stem to that branch. It dies. So we have to realize that our connection to the body matters. Anything that we need, God is bringing in the body. Amen. The body is, is sufficient. Whatever we need, whatever we need to, 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 uh, to fulfill the vision that God has for this house, he makes provisions for. He brings in that provision. And we have to recognize that that provision is being made when we got that raise now and we making more money, you know, it's for a reason. It's not just for you. It's not just for you. We're looking at the whole picture. As we learned in Survivor Kit, we're one body with many members. 
to benefit the whole. That's why your giftings and callings are very important, because it benefits the whole. Nobody has that word like Venetia has that word, amen? Only Venetia can bring that word her particular way, amen? Only Natalie can bring that word her particular way. She did a message on, uh, on Fast Week one time. What was it? Uh, is, is it? It's not that deep, but it is that deep. <laughs> it is that deep. Because you know what? I was talking to somebody about uh, witchcraft, or words in our English dictionary, or words that we use, that we take no thought about, but it's a word curse. Mortgage. That means death. It's so many things that that are put into our English language that are word curses. And we have to be mindful of what we're saying. As Trina loves to say, you know, you got to watch your mouth. Don't speak that. You're around Trina. You know, you said something wrong. She'll call you out real quick. Speak life. Speak life. Amen. And we should be speaking life. Calling those things, even be not as though they were. We're speaking life. So a lot of times as we're, as pastors preaching about uh, spirits and all, being at the, the pigs in the parlor and, and, and being out of agreement with those spirits, that's so important that it's not, I'm going to give a piece of my mind and all that. No, those are, those are spirits. And that we have to be aware of those things. And I think God wants us to be more aware of what's going on, what we're connected to, what we're involved in. Amen. The fraternity, the sororities, you know, the secret societies, all that stuff. We have to watch that because it's, it's slid in there, you know, and, and we think, oh, this is, this is not that deep. It is that deep. It's that deep. Amen? It's that deep. All right? Um, we are a living organism made up of many cells. Uh, cells that do the same function become organs, Right? And then organs working together makes a system in the body. Amen? So we, we got to understand that our part matters. Every cell works together to create an organ. Your heart, your lungs, whatever. Let's go with, the, with your heart, your circulatory system. Right? All those, all those cells working together makes up that system that flows, that we can have blood flow through our body, right? do the oxygen exchange, all that. It matters. That's how much it matters. If my lungs decide they didn't want to take in any more air, guess what happened? I ceased to be. If my heart decides I don't want to pump anymore, I cease to be. That's how important that you are to God, to us, to me, to each other. It matters. All right? Um... We have to play our part in the body. Whatever level you may be on, you are needed. Let's turn to Matthew 6 and 21. Because as I was um, talking to God about this message, this part was, um, I was like, God, you want me to say that? I don't know. But I'm going to be obedient. So 6 and 21 says this. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In other words, wherever you're putting your money at, that's where your heart at. Amen? If you got 12,000 pairs of shoes, guess where your heart is? 
I'm just saying, wherever you're putting your money at, that's where your heart is. It reveals your heart. Amen? It reveals your heart. So the degree, now, this is, I'm going to say this before, I'm going to give credit to this because I don't want to be stoned for saying this. It says, your degree of loving is measured by your degree of living, of giving. Your degree of loving is measured by your degree of giving. This is Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole that said this, who wrote Maximizing Manhood and Courage. So your degree of loving is measured by your degree of giving. That's huge. So put your money where your life is. Amen? Where your life is. When it came to the point that uh, when Jesus told the disciples, you're going to eat my flesh and drink my blood, they said many people departed and didn't come around him no more because they didn't understand the sacrificial part of this thing. Amen? That where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And if we understand that, then we understand that we have a place that we stand under. We have a place. We all want to go to that place of fulfillment. But we can't muddle through this thing. We have to be exact in purpose in our actions. Amen? We have to be. God is a God of purpose, and all things have purpose. There's nothing made or a person born that was born without a purpose. For it's that purpose that birthed you into the world. Amen? We have to not just agree with some precepts or principles, but be willing to accept it, and it's called for sacrifice. And that's that thing of freedom and liberty. No, we can't do what we want to do because we have boundaries. We can't just be lawless. We have to um, be willing to accept the call of sacrifices. So there are some things that we do that we have to sacrifice, that we have to get rid of. We talk about a lot here at Ayers that when you go into an airport, how everybody can walk in the airport, but as you elevate, or go through, you got to go through security. Security stops you. You got to take off your shoes. You got to do this, pull your computer out. You got to do all this stuff, and that has to be okay before you let to that point, right? And then when you get on the plane, there's certain things you can't take on the plane. So, but the elevation process is understanding that some things I need to remove out of my life for the benefit of going higher and also giving all I can to make the body work. Amen? So there are some enemies to fulfillment. And fulfillment, I said, is the land flowing with milk and honey. As the old saints would say, Beulah land. Amen. That there's some, some enemies that try to keep you from going into that place of fulfillment and that place of cooperation, that place of covenant. The first one is lust. Amen? Lust can never be satisfied, as the Bible says in Proverbs. Lust. So we got to get control over lust. Lusting out the things, you know, whatever that is. We have to, that's an enemy to the place of fulfillment. Idolatry. Having other gods. 
And um, we can have people as other gods. You can make our parents gods, you know. Boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, husband. You know, our jobs. Our money. All right? But God clearly said, you should have no other God before me. So even when we deal with people, we have to watch where we put people at in our lives in, in terms, if we put them before God, now you're asking God to deal with what's, what's there. Amen? Your wife, your husband, your friend, your family. Because nobody can be in a place where God should be but God. Amen. Um, fornication. Mixing the other stuff with, you know, I know we think of fornication a lot of times as sexual sins, but think about this, doctrine-wise or belief-wise. Um, I, I was telling somebody, I was just a Karen, I think I was talking to about, I grew up in holiness, so there were some aspects that when I came into heirs, that holiness teaching was there. And I had to come to grips with some things. I couldn't mix stuff. I had to have defined lines. This is what I believe. This is what, you know, I, I'm doing. And we have to have those defined lines. And we talked about that today in uh, the 915 of uh, living faith. Um, living faith. That you have to have, you can't mix. If you're standing in a place of faith, you can't bring doubt in them. You got to stay in that position of faith. And that's why when the Bible talks about waiting, it's not the waiting that we think of like, I'm just sitting here waiting on something to happen. No, you're doing stuff to maintain that place in faith to what you're asking God for. You're studying the word, you're praying, you're doing whatever, maybe fasting prayer. But you're not just waiting, sitting there with your hands folded. You're actually doing something in anticipation for God to, to make it happen. Amen? All right, tempting Christ. How far can I go doing this thing that's not sin? How far on the edge can I get before I fall off? We got to stop playing those games. Amen? And we play those games. What can I really get away with? God said, having God said, and that's what he did with Eve, you know, having God said, no, that's not what God said. God said, don't touch it, don't eat it. You know, but... A lot of times what happens is we put in a situation where we're tempting God, and we got to stop that. I saw a preacher um, handling a, 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 a deadly snake. Uh, there are some churches that believe uh, they have snakes in their service, and they handle these snakes. Well, this one snake did what it was supposed to do. It bit him, you know? <laughs> And he died. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that is crazy. You're tempting God, and now you're dead. It bit him in the neck. I mean, he's a big snake, too. And it bit him, and blood just went all over the place, and everybody was trying to praise God. But like, somebody should have called it ambulance, because it you know what I'm saying? But we tempt God in crazy stuff like that. that we can't be tempting God like that. And God say, stay away from it. Stay away from it. And God say, don't do it. Don't do it. His wisdom is beyond our wisdom. He's telling us this for a reason, right? Just, you know, the snake did what it was supposed to do, what it was created to do, bite you. And it bit him, and he died. Because he was tempting God. That's the way I see it. So, and then the number one thing, well, it's a big thing, murmuring and complaining. 
murmuring and complaining. The Bible says, in the day, in the day of, what's the scripture? It's harden not your heart as in the day of provocation, as Ephesus says. In the day of provocation, harden not your heart as they did in the wilderness, and 5,000 fell dead because they murmured and complained to God or about God. So God looks at murmuring very seriously. Amen? Backed by gossiping. All that falls under that category of murmuring. 5,000 fell dead for just, I'm going to say what I'm going to say. I'm just going to put it out there. I'm going to say what I'm going to say. 5,000 dropped dead for murmuring. 2 Timothy, let's go to 2 Timothy 2 and 19. Oh, I give y'all permission to shout at any time in the message, too. <laughs> 2 Timothy 2 and 19 says this. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, that the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So it's telling us we got to separate ourselves from some things, from some iniquity. And we're going to go into some of that as well. So it tells us to purge ourselves, to be a vessel of honor, sanctified, meet for the master's use, and prepared for every good work. That's what the scripture says. Because of this covenant relationship that we're in with God and with each other. That we can purge ourselves from things to be vessels of honor. It's under our control. What are you willing to give to God? to be all that God would have you to be? Or do we live a compartmental life? Do we let the Holy Spirit touch everything but that one room that he can't go in? You don't want him to touch it. That's my baby right there. Don't touch that. You can do anything else, but don't mess with that. Well, you got a lot of Holy Spirit to touch that thing too. Those hidden sins, those things that we do in private, whatever it is, we got a lot of Holy Spirit to deal with that thing. So we can get rid of it. So we can be vessels of honor. To the degree that you're broken is to the degree that you're going to serve. To the degree that you're broken is to the degree that the power is going to flow through you. So we have to be broken. We can't be our own thing. We can't just do our own thing. We have to be godly people and live a godly life. All right? So I'll go on to say this, that this vision is a good work, amen, that we're going to be impacting the world. Right now, I can tell you I am so happy that um, I came to Ayers because my life has changed tremendously. It is a good work. I, I was telling uh, them in the 915 class, they asked a question, I think it was Sister LaBarba asked a question about... Um, Oh, and Sister Karen, about foundation, because sometimes we, we come out of other churches and stuff like that. You know, some people come straight from the street to the church, but some people come out of other churches where you've been taught other things. And I was telling them that when I first came to Ayers, pastor was very patient with me. We spent hours on the phone. Like, he would preach a message, and I'd be like, 
Okay, Pastor Keith, now you said this. This is what the Bible says. You're going to have to help me see this. I don't see that. I mean, hours. He spent hours with me because I had a whole lot of questions. You know what I'm saying? I asked a whole lot of questions, but he was patient with me. Therefore, freely giving, I can freely give. I can be patient with people, right? But he did that. I mean, it was certain things. Sometimes you preach, and I call him right up. And we talk. Five hours later, I'm like, okay, I get it. <laughs> but they, the pastors have a great heart. It's a great vision. And they all want us to be free. And as we can see, as we're studying now and going through in the, uh, in the Bible uh, class, uh, what, what he's talking about and, and, and the message he's bringing is to free us up from the things that would oppress us, the things that are hinder us in life. Amen? And so he's talking about these things. So it's a good work. It's good things coming out of this. People's lives are being changed. Uh, I'm married now. I wouldn't be married if I wouldn't be an heir. Probably not. And I know I wouldn't be married to Zip if I wasn't an heir. <laughs> so, I mean, but, you know, it's, it's life changing. It's a good work. I've seen so many marriages come in here that was about to divorce. And, and because they got here and got into the Word, it saved a marriage. You know, I've seen people, I've seen Sister Stella, she had stage four cancer and stage two, I think. Heal. What was God showing us? That healing is real. He was letting us see somebody here in our midst going through, and he brought them out of it. Man, what does that do? That builds that blessed assurance. That builds that confidence in God. If he did it for her, he'll do it for me. Amen? Amen. And so he's showing us, he's giving us pictures of things, but we got to think deeper than surface. Amen? We got to think deeper than surface. We got to go deep in this thing. So he showed her going through her situation so we could understand and believe. Yes, by his stripes we are healed. Amen? Amen. Because I've seen it. I've seen it. Because usually when people say stage four, that's like a death sentence. But she be sitting here praising the Lord, jumping up and down. Now, you know, amen. God is good. Amen. God is good. Amen. So we got to give up control. Because where has it gotten us so far? Amen. We got to give up control. Let the Holy Spirit have his way. Let's turn to Ezekiel. 47. Ezekiel, the 40, uh, 47th chapter. And I, I love this because it paints a picture to me on moving in God. All right, and it says this. And this is a picture that Elijah, this is what God did with Elijah. But I want you to look at this at um, every level, we continue to grow and go deeper, and we can't stop because we are overcomers. So it says, after he brought me again into the door of the house, and behold, water issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward, and for, fo and for fro fro forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from under the right side of the house and at the south of the altar. Then he brought me out the way to the north gate and led me about the way without until the other gate by the way that looked eastward. And behold, 
their waters ran out on the right side. And the man, it talks about, okay, let me get to the point where I want to get to where, oh, here we go, verse 3. And when the man had the line in his hand, he went forth eastward and measured a thousand cubits. And he brought me to the waters. Now, these waters, I want to say this is the, 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 the knowledge of God, the commitment to God. Amen? So, the waters were to the ankles. And we know if we're in ankle-deep water, we can just walk in. It. It's not it's not a problem. We can still do what we want to do. Looking at this as levels of control, giving up levels of control. So if the water's on your ankle, that's not really hindering you. It may slow you down a little bit in running, but you're still in control. Again, he measured a 1,000 and brought me through the waters. The waters were to the knees. Okay, now when water's to your knees, it's going to take a little a little more strength to move through, but you can still move, right? You know, you can still move in the water, all right? And then it goes on to say, again, he measured out a thousand and brought me to the waters, to my lines, to your, to your waist. Now, waist-deep water, that's, that's, your legs are really working now, right? All right, but you're still in control. You don't have as much control, but you're still in control. He said, then he measured another thousand, and the rivers that I could not pass over for the waters risen and waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. I've lost total control. You know, when you're floating in water, the current takes you where you need to go. Amen? So the aspect of being not in control, letting those waters go deep enough where you, you don't have control, where the Spirit of God has control over the situation, over your life, that he can say, hey, I want you to go and do this for this person. He can say, hey, I want you to go here. And we listen because we gave up our control. Amen? We gave up our control. And we can't stop or be fearful because the water is at our waist. Amen? We can't be fearful. Fear has torment. No, we just keep moving deeper in God till we're floating. So we have to be free, free from past experience. And we know that plagues us sometimes, our past experiences. You know, we had a question yesterday, somebody asked me, said, somebody did such and such to me, you know, I don't trust them. I forgave them, but I don't trust them. And my answer to that was, I trust the God in people. I trust the God in them. And if a person is deep in God, oh, hey, I'm trusting the God in them. So we have, to, we have to be free from past experience because they will hinder us from moving. They will paralyze us from moving. If we got trauma in our lives in the past and we don't deal with that trauma, we stuck in that place with that trauma. Stuck. And that's what the devil wants to do. With all of us, we all were young at one time and things happened to us. But as I, as I say, I talk to men all the time, 30, 40, 50, 60-year-old men still talking about what happened to them as a little boy. As a little boy. 60 years old and you still talking about what happened to you as a kid? When you take responsibility, put that thing in the past. And I, and I said this, and I said to my parents, you know, my parents ain't always did what I like. 
you know, or what I thought was best for me. And sometimes I was treated bad, I felt. But I realized this. They did the best they could do with the knowledge they had. I freed them up of that thing. Because I left home at an early age. I left home real young. But I love my parents. I do anything for my parents. I honor them, you know, because that's the first scripture that came real to me. Honor thy mother and father, and the days will be long upon the earth which the Lord thy God has given you. So the opposite of that, if you don't honor your parents, is what? Yeah. Short time period here. So it's important that we get in a place where we can let past experience go. Generational sins. That's just how my family is. No, it's not. That's a familiar spirit that you need to deal with and get rid of. Uh, spiritual chains that bind us. You know, maybe it's somebody has used the word of God deceitfully with you and you, you, you got you stuck somewhere. You know, we got to be free of that. Free of mother and father. We got to let loose so the Holy Spirit can have his way in our lives. The Bible says one can put a thousand in the flight, two can put 10,000 in the flight. So there's a, there's a power in us being in agreement and moving as one unit. God supplies, he gives grace. And in this sense, grace is the power to do. Amen. But we got to give up that control so he can do it. We all come from different places. And I love holidays because you really find out where people are from because everybody goes home, you know, for the holidays, maybe for Christmas and what have you, Mother's Day, uh, not, not Father's Day. Nobody goes home for that, do they? <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> but we, and so, like, me and my wife, when, when, the, when we first joined the church, we would stay here just so the people that couldn't go home could eat dinner. You know, we would have dinner for people from the church that were staying here and stuff. So that's, that's something that we have to do. We have to really open our, ourselves up and open, be open to each other. Amen. Fellowship is important. Fellowship where a lot of things are, are um, as we can see in the Bible, um, Bible uh, fellowship, Man, we're learning a lot. People are digging in, being scholars now with the word. I mean, and, and people are getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning for prayer, 6 o'clock for Bible uh, fellowship. That's serious. You know, it's an old saying, the early bird gets the worm, but the Bible says it in the sense that they that wake up early to find me, they're they going to find him. That quiet time, that's a quiet time. Demonic spirits are at a low at that particular time, so... In the early mornings, um, not a lot of activity. So God can get some things through, which we're seeing as a whole, as a core group. Things are moving. Things are growing. I'm so excited about things, you know, that uh, just all the stuff that's happened. It's so much happening. I wish I could go into it, but it's so much happening, not just in my life, in the business, but like I said, in other people's lives. I see what's going on, and I'm excited about that. So this message is the fact that don't get scared and pull back. Keep going deeper and deeper into the water till you're floating, till the Holy Spirit can do what he needs to do in each and every life and in this place. Amen? Amen. 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 Praise God. That's all I have for today. Amen.